Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. And we're going to start with uh, an update on the Buy American Act, and I'll turn it over to Yuan. Thanks, Peter. On March 7th, the FAR Council issued a final rule implementing further revisions to the Buy American Act. Now, the final rule makes three key changes to the BAA regulations, which are consistent with the proposed rule. First, it's initiating a staged increase in the percentage cost of domestic components to qualify as domestic end products and construction materials from the current 55% to 60%, and then to 65% in 2024, and then to 75% in 2029. Note, however, that there is a grace period until the next fiscal year before this initial 60% threshold goes into effect. Second, it's easing the transition to the new higher component cost threshold by providing the contracting officer authority based on a determination that no end product or construction materials meet the increased threshold to fall back the threshold to the current 55% to qualify as domestic. And that's going to remain available until 2030. And third, it's creating a framework for applying higher price preferences for domestic end products and construction materials that are deemed critical or that contain critical components, which will be further identified and defined through subsequent rulemaking. Now, end products and construction materials that qualify as cost or commercial item IT remain unaffected by these changes. Peter, back to you. Next up is a small business issue. On February 24th, the FAR Council published a proposed rule that would amend the FAR to account for recent changes in the SBA's regulations. The rule proposes to amend the FAR to address when size is determined for a multiple award contract that does not require offers for the contract to include price, given the general mantra that SBA typically determines small business size status at the time of initial offer, including price. For such a multiple award contract that does not require offers for the contract to include price, SBA will determine size as of the date of the initial offer for the multiple award contract, whether or not the offer includes price or that price is evaluated. The rule would also amend the FAR to clarify that if a multiple award contract was totally set aside for small businesses, the contracting officer may, at his or her discretion, set aside orders for any of the small business socioeconomic concerns, so long as doing so satisfies the rule of two and the specific socioeconomic program eligibility requirements are met. Finally, the ostensible subcontractor rule would be added as a basis to protest the status of hub zones, SDVOSBs, and WOSBs. Each of these FAR clauses would add new ground for a socioeconomic status protest based on an allegation that a contractor is unduly reliant on a non-similarly situated entity or that such a subcontractor performs primary and vital requirements of the contract. Next up, Yuan with an update uh, from OMB. Thanks, Peter. On March 7th, the OMB announced that effective immediately, federal agencies must begin to adopt the NIST Secure Software Development Framework and related software supply chain security guidance. The NIST guidance was issued following President Biden's Executive Order 14028 on approving the nation's cybersecurity, 
which directed NIST to issue guidance identifying practices that enhance the security of the software supply chain. Now, OMB stated that it understands vendor attestation of secure software development practices has significant implications for vendors and service providers supporting delivery, and thus plans to engage with the private sector on how best to implement this requirement before directing agencies to require an attestation. To that end, the OMB plans to release a set of structured implementation questions ahead of a public workshop that the agency will hold later in March. Now, the questions and related workshop will focus on best practices for implementing the framework, and the OMB will incorporate feedback from the workshop as appropriate. Peter? So we've talked before about the DOJ's Civil Cyber Fraud Initiative, which in essence is the DOJ's initiative to use the Civil False Claims Act to enforce cybersecurity controls and other information safeguards as to contractors. Uh, And on March 8th, we saw the first False Claims Act settlement under this initiative. In particular, on March 8th, DOJ announced that a contractor agreed to pay nearly a million dollars to resolve allegations that it had violated the FCA. Specifically, DOJ alleged that the contractor falsely represented to the State Department and the Air Force that it complied with contract requirements relating to the secure storage of medical records under its contracts to provide medical services at government facilities overseas. So we're expecting to see a lot more activity in this area, a good reminder of the importance of this um, as it relates to False Claims Act, cybersecurity, data safeguarding, et cetera. So with that, we will close it out and bring it to the end for this edition. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807 and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks so much for joining. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mooring LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.